Okay, are your Bibles open to Luke chapter 19? In just a moment, we're going to start reading in verse number one. Before we do, let me ask you this. Um, How many of you have ever had someone invite themselves over to your house? Ever have people do that? Okay, so they just kind of, people ever just show up? Like, um, have you ever been surprised when the doorbell rings and you go, you think it's the Amazon delivery person, okay? And so you go and you look and instead of a box, there's actually, you know, somebody standing at your door and they're saying, hey, you ever have people just say, just stop by to say hello? Now, I do have to tell you, I had um, a really special stop by the other day. This is just for free, but I thought you'd want to know. So um, I had a really special stop by um, um, the Souls, uh, um, uh, Dr. and Mrs. Greg Soul stopped by the house the other day and they had just come back from a little vacation to Minnesota and they came bearing gifts, fresh pulled stalks of rhubarb. And all God's people said, that was really pathetic, okay? So anyways, they stopped by. That was, listen, anytime you want to stop by with fresh rhubarb on my doorstep, you are officially, not anytime, but you are mostly invited, okay? Well, sometimes people just invite themselves to our homes. And we have one of those, um, one of those settings, one of those situations that's in front of us here. It's not an unfamiliar story, but hopefully we'll find some maybe not as familiar truths for us as we continue to think about church that sometimes is messy, intentionally so. Verse number one, Luke chapter 19. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was chief among the publicans and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, And could not for the press because he was of little stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto Zacchaeus and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured saying that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. And then verse 10, for the son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Well, let's break down the passage this evening and let's start by by examining what we'll refer to as the seeker the seeker. Do you know, the first thing that we see about this man named Zacchaeus is Zacchaeus clearly was looking for something. Now, remember, this guy was rich. Okay. 
How many of you have ever thought about what it would be like to be just absolutely rich? I mean, it's just us here tonight. How many of you have ever thought about like, how many of you have ever thought it'd be nice to have a little bit more money than month? Have you ever thought about that before? Like, well, wouldn't it be nice if I didn't have to worry about money and life would be so much easier if I didn't have to think about. In fact, man, I wouldn't have this problem. I would have this access. I would have this available. Life would be so much better if I just had a little bit more money. Here's a guy that according to scripture, which we know is recording or presenting this accurately, this guy was rich. I guess that that we can't necessarily experience something until we know personally what it's like, but riches are not the answer to the emptiness of life. In fact, sometimes riches may actually accentuate the emptiness because we focus on things that are far less important. And how many of you have ever come to the realization personally that you may have been at places in life where you have had but you found that you really had not. And then maybe other points and times of life when you had not and you found that, that you really had. Do you remember at times when life was even a little bit simpler? How many of you remember and recall that, like the days when, when it was early in your marriage and, and you, you remember the first place you stayed and, and your furniture was all second and third and fourth hand and, and the, the place was so simple, but, but so simple. You know, this, this is a guy who had what everybody looked at and wanted. They wanted his riches But he is a living testimony to the fact that this is not enough. So he is seeking for something that he doesn't personally possess. You know, you you think through his name. I I think this is just insightful. His name is something that that I haven't ever personally uh, uh, come to the real. I just didn't know what it meant. But his name means pure or righteous one. But he is living a life that is anything but what his name means. He's a publican. This guy is a tax collector. To make matters worse, he's not just a publican. He is chief among the publicans. I I think that goes to the, the testimony that he was rich. I'm not bemoaning riches. I'm just saying that it's not the answer. You may be one that is is a person who doesn't have a lot, but you found that you have more than enough. You may be a person that has a lot and found, Lord, you have placed something into my hand. It remains yours and it is not the source of my happiness. But Nicodemus pursued something I believe that he thought was going to secure his happiness and he found it actually did not. He's a publican. He's chief among the publicans. And so not only is he rich, he's also despised. People look at a guy like Nicodemus and I mean the culture, the the community that he lives and works in, he's a man who's despised. Not because of his riches, but how he secured his riches. That they would tax the people more than was necessary, more than was fitting or right. And he's working on behalf, he's a Jew who is working for the Gentiles. Nicodemus is a guy that is absolutely despised. He is, we're assuming, underhanded. He is someone that they look at as despicable. 
And yet this is a guy who is genuinely, truly seeking. I think we should never assume that a person that we are interacting with, regardless of how despicable, detestable we may find their life or their lifestyle, we shouldn't ever assume that that person is not a sincere seeker of something more than they currently possess. And then the question that we might further ask is, did I leave something with them that is worth finding? Did I at least leave them with something of what I possess that they might want? Was there some interaction that we may have had with someone who is potentially trying to find something more than what they currently have? That may not be easy to see. I mean, how many people would have said, I'll tell you a guy who's a miserable guy and he's really looking for Jesus. He's looking for the answers that only God can. How many people are going to come to that conclusion? But clearly this is a man who knows something is missing in his life and he's desirous to find it. Remember, the works of Jesus provided validity to the words of Jesus. What he went about doing, I believe the, the, the news of his good works gave legitimacy to his words. And they, they preceded him. Hey, did you hear about what Jesus did? I mean, the, 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 the leper who's healed, he goes and he tells everyone what Jesus did, the good works that Jesus does. We have used a reference, Acts chapter 10, verse number 38, often in this messy church series, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Do you know the same God that, that was Jesus going about is the same God, the Holy Spirit, who fills the lives of every believer. It should and could be said about us that we go about doing good. Now it can't stop there, but that is those good works, that good action, that simple smile, that kind gesture, those are the very things that so often give our works, give legitimacy to our words. So we ask, what is it about our works that people um, see and want to know more? He is a seeker. And he sought, verse number three, and he sought to see Jesus who he was. The tense of the verb is interesting. It means that this is an active process. In other words, he'd been seeking, but he hadn't yet found. And I find that's true for a lot of people. They try this, they try this, they try this. I am nearing the end just in my personal reading right now of the book of Ecclesiastes. And it is quite a a strange mix of those things that are human truisms but not eternal truths and then those things that are, are wonderfully true and then those things that are just flat wrong. And the preacher of Ecclesiastes gave himself to so many different things in some attempt to find the meaning of life under the sun. And he continually concludes it's empty it's, it's mindless, it's meaningless, it's vanity. 
This is lighter than air. This has no significance, no meaning, no weight in my life. Do you know, oftentimes this, a guy like, like Zacchaeus who has gone about, he's seeking. Now, I want to I see who he is. Well, he's seeking. He has been seeking. This is a guy who's tried this and this and this. I'm, I'm looking for something in this. I'm looking for it here. I'm looking in this. He just hadn't found it. And now he's seeking for some answers in the person of Jesus Christ. The first thing we see is the seeker. But look a little bit further and we see a profound sincerity. The sincerity. Look down at verse number three again. And he sought Jesus um, and he sought to see Jesus who he was and could not for the press, the crowd, because he was of little stature. And he ran before him and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him for he was to pass that way. All right, now, this may not be so strange in our culture today, but it was, it was almost unheard of in, in the day, the time, the culture of Zacchaeus. It's one of the things that's profound about the, the story about the man who had two sons and that when he saw the prodigal a far way off, he ran to him. The father ran to the son. Here again, we see Nicodemus. This is a man of prestige, position he's got wealth he, he's got it all and this guy runs it was considered indignant for a man to run in the day of Zacchaeus it just was considered you, you just do not run but but he does why because this guy is sincere he really does want to know now sometimes people might surprise us with with the way that they're actually seeking Jesus but there is at least a sincerity about the the seeking it may not be, well, no, you're not supposed to seek him like that. Well, it may not be how we, we would have had them seek. In other words, I'm saying they may not come and seek him in church. They may not sit down in a seat next to you and, and you say, hi, and what brought you here? Well, I'm actually seeking Jesus. What is the other indignant thing that Zacchaeus does? Well, we used to sing it as kids. If you grew up, you know, singing the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way. You know, I mean, we know the song. He climbed up in a tree. How many of you, it has been at least 20 years since you've climbed up in a tree? Raise your hand. 20 years or more. Raise your hand if you can still raise it. Say, no, it kind of hurts to do that, but... Okay, so how many of you have climbed a tree, literally climbed a tree? Um, wow, man. Who here has climbed a tree ever in their life? Ever in their life? Okay, but how many of you haven't climbed a tree in the last year? Raise your hand. Haven't in the last year? That's most everybody. How many of you have climbed a tree in the last year? What is your problem? Okay, so climbing up trees, crazy people. Okay, so, so he climbed up in a tree. Okay, not only is it strange that he, he runs... Because you just don't do that. I mean, seriously, a grown man who says, I got to see Jesus. He climbs up in a tree. Of all the unlikely places that, that he's actually going to have this interaction with Jesus up in the sycamore tree has to be the height of the, the, the places that we would say, well, that's the last place I would think he'd find him. But the thing that stands out to us is this guy is sincere about his pursuit of finding answers. Children would run in Zacchaeus' day. 
children would climb trees in Zacchaeus' day. And isn't it interesting that if we were to back up just a chapter in Luke, we'd find in verse number 17, Jesus saying, Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child shall in no wise enter therein. Maybe Nicodemus was closer than he knew. Because as a grown, distinguished man of position and power, he's not afraid to run. And as a man who is seeking for answers and some kind of insight that he was bereft of, he's not afraid to actually climb up in a tree. I think that Zacchaeus was closer to finding what he was looking for than he could have ever imagined. Well, we see the seeker and the sincerity, but let's continue on with the scandal. The scandal. Look down at verse number five. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, isn't that an interesting word? Do you ever use the word, that, that word in the same context today? Well, I don't know what they are thinking. You know, it's no different back in, in their day. And when they, so the great unknown they. And uh, he made haste, came down, received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. Now there is a parade that's taking place. There is this parade, this, this grand processional because Jesus is leading it. He's passing through Jericho, which by the way is this hub of commerce, a place that had the potential to make a guy like, like um, Zacchaeus really wealthy. He was rich. He's in a strategic location for taxation. Jesus is passing through. Zacchaeus climbs up in the tree, wants, wants to see him. And, and then Jesus, you know, he comes up because wherever Jesus goes, I mean, that's where the parade goes. And he stops and, and he, he looks up. Now, you, you don't expect, nobody's looking up. They're all looking at Jesus. And how easy it would have been for Jesus to just continue on, never actually pausing to look up. But I, I know we said that that Zacchaeus is the seeker, but, but when you pause and think about it, who is it really that is, see, whom is seeking whom? Maybe it's more accurate to say that, that while Zacchaeus was seeking, there was truly one who came to seek and to save, which we'll see in this passage in just a moment. So Jesus pauses, he stops in the very tree and and then can you imagine Zacchaeus' heart? I mean, how it must have beat with, with some excited vigor. I mean, he, he's there and he sees Jesus. He's like, oh, I have a perfect view. There he is. That's the guy I've heard all about. He, he looks kind. <laughs> oh, man, it's what I expected. He's, he's coming right here. <laughs> and now Jesus stops at the tree where Zacchaeus is, is is, you know, positioned. And he looks up at Zacchaeus and he meets his eye. He says, come on down, Zacchaeus. 
Now we sing, for I'm going to your house today, but, but that's not what the, the Bible really says. It says, I must abide. If you look up the word abide, it's the same word that is used in John chapter 15. There is something very intimate about this word. He says, I have to abide. This is, if ye abide in me and I in you, ye shall bring forth much fruit. This is the same abide. It's, this is like there, there is a deep level of intimacy, connection with, with one who is a sinner. And here's where things really get messy. Because everybody knew it. Everybody knew this, this guy, Zacchaeus, is, is a cheat. He's betrayed us. He's betrayed his nationality, his heritage for money. This guy doesn't care about us. This guy cares about himself. I'm telling you, if you want a poster child for sinner, we've got the guy's face to, to go on the poster. And his name is Zacchaeus. Yeah, his... His stature matches his character, which just doesn't measure up. And when Jesus stops and they see, whoa, look at Zacchaeus up there in the tree. I believe, I suspect that the crowds that are following Jesus says, oh, he is going to let him have it. Oh, man, here it comes. Like, oh, Zacchaeus is up there. Oh, I've been waiting for this day a long time because he showed up at my house last week. And I'm telling you, that guy would rob me blind. Give it to him, Jesus. This is going to be good. Oh, yeah. What, what did he say? He's, he's going to go. Did he say he's going to abide in his house? I got no time for this. He's going to abide in his, in Zacchaeus's house. If he's Messiah, he surely should know that this man is a sinner with a capital S. There's something scandalous about this. There's something completely wrong because that guy is a sinner. So do you understand the precarious position that Jesus is willingly placing himself in? And he didn't, he didn't kind of do this under the, under the radar. It's not like, you know, I'm not going to be too public about this. Uh, um, hey, uh, come here, John. Yeah, I want you to, there's a guy in a sycamore tree over there. His name's Zacchaeus. Would you go and tell him I'd like to meet him after the big meeting with the crowd? And tell him, yeah, um, I'll, in fact, no, 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 tell him I'll, I'll come to his house. It'll be a little bit later, just after dark. And, um, and I need to talk to him. I mean, Jesus very vocally, very publicly says, hey, uh, Zacchaeus, come down here. Come on down. I mean, you can almost see Zacchaeus tumbling down, you know, boom, 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 boom. Yeah, I'm here. And, and Jesus says, I'm going to go, I'm going to abide in your house. He didn't even have to use that word. He could have said, leaving the crowd to say, okay, he's, he's going to give it. He doesn't just doesn't. He's too kind and gentle of a man to give it to him publicly. He's going to give it to him in his house. And oh boy, would I love to be a fly on the wall in Zacchaeus' house today because Jesus is going to give it to him. But Jesus says, Zacchaeus, come on down. I must needs abide with you in your house. Zacchaeus, we're going to go have some great fellowship. 
there's going to be intimate personal conversation. We're, we're going to, we're going to interact like, like we've known each other for a long time as close personal friends. With whom is Jesus not just rubbing shoulders? It wouldn't be uncommon. I don't, I don't say this to be in any way, shape, or form inappropriate, but it wouldn't be uncommon. In fact, there are cultures today when, when, when years ago I was in Ivory Coast. No, I was, I was in Togo, West Africa. It's not uncommon in Ivory Coast either, but in Togo, um, when men talk, they just hold hands. They hold hands. It's, it's, it's odd for us today in our culture, but it's not in theirs. Just to have conversation holding hands. And, and there's this sense that Jesus says, we're going to go have personal, close fellowship. And, and I'm coming to abide at your house. With a man who is publicly known as a sinner. I wonder if there is any, anything of our lives that could be perceived as scandalous in a good way because we're following an example set for us by Jesus that, that they're actually, wow, they're spending time abiding with sinners. You know, the, the thing that we see is gonna be the result of this is you know, we, we, we understood the seeker and I mean, there was sincerity. This becomes scandalous, but, but the product of this is salvation. Look down at verse number nine. And Jesus said unto him, this day is salvation come to this house for so much as he also is the son of Abraham. And here it is, for the son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Interesting, isn't it, that Zacchaeus, the seeker, was actually Zacchaeus, the sought. And Jesus was seeking him. And, and who is it that Jesus is seeking? He came to seek and to save that or those which are lost. You know, Jesus said, I'm, I'm going to go to your house. Sometimes we, we lament, and I think inappropriately so, we lament the idea that there are not more lost people in our services. But quite honestly, is, is this really the place where, where we're going to have the first touch, the first opportunity with the lost? And so Jesus said, I, I've come, I'm gonna go out doing the seeking. Now, I think that people can and should understand and know the gospel in church because of its implications for both the saved and the lost. But doesn't it seem to make sense that people like us should actually be going out seeking through abiding those that are lost? And, and by that, again, I, I don't just mean a singularly casual interaction. I think we can take advantage of that. We can use that. We, we might be a touch along the way. But isn't it possible that God would have us establish relationships with those that it might appear somewhat scandalous? 
Do you know, the, the, the Bible helps us understand that there is something about our faith that actually has to be put to work. Like, okay, now, now I've fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you are not able to, to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. I think sometimes the reason why we're still on the milk is because we haven't been in situations where the meat is actually required. And so, wow, I'm in a situation right now. What am I going to do? And how do I handle this? And I need some answers and some insights. And we start to actually pour ourselves into truths that previously were somewhat unnecessary. Does it get messy? Yeah, it, clearly it does. What kinds of people would qualify for us to actually abide with? Well, I think the lost. You say, I know, but what, what you know, I mean, there are certainly like, oh man, have you ever heard people say, that guy was really lost? I don't know that there's any, any degree of lostness. It's just either saved or lost. And so... I think any lost person qualifies. Now, it might be a little scandalous. There might be people that say, what are you doing? I mean, did you actually go to their house? Now, let, let me also just, I don't know, let me, let me offer something. And I, I'm, it's only an offering because I certainly don't know. But, but I, think, I think that if Jesus, remember, he didn't have a home. So foxes have holes with which they can, you know, reside, but the son of man hath not. He, he didn't have a home. But I think that, I'm just supposing, this is just for food for thought, but I think that if Jesus did have a home, I think he would be comfortable actually inviting lost people into his home. And he certainly was comfortable going into the homes of those that were clearly lost. Um. I'm going to share a personal illustration and forgive the, the personal aspect of it, but it was touching and meaningful to me, and it happened just a couple days ago. So I received an email, and, and it came to one of our, our, our generic, just a campus church that you can find online, email address, and, and then it was forwarded on to me. Um, when we lived in Colorado, we've now lived back in Pensacola for the last four years, but when we lived in Colorado... Our neighborhood, the neighborhood that, that we lived in, backed up to a, a area that was filled with several um, condo buildings, two-story condos. And the one behind us was, the, one of the units behind us was a rental. So, so there were, uh, by nature of that, there were several different families that would be in that. Now, now again, there was a privacy fence that kind of backed up against, you know, separated the two properties. To our neighborhood, you know, we, we lived in a home there and then the, the condos behind us. But we'd see people, you know, all the time. We'd be sitting in the backyard. And, and so a new family moved in and, and we had that over-the-fence kind of um, meeting and greeting. And I, I noticed that, that he, he most likely had been in some kind of trouble because of a some kind of a bracelet that was on his ankle and we just started to interact and most friendly guy and 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 I invited his kids over and we had a trampoline in our backyard and they'd play on the trampoline and said hey listen anytime I built a little a little I don't know a, a 
kind of a cheat thing in our privacy fence to where you could, I put the two of the slats of the fence on hinges. So if a ball went over the fence or something, you could just kind of open it up and go through the fence and, and go to the other side. So I sh- showed them, I said, yeah, you can kind of come in. So whenever you want, you can jump on the trampoline. And, and uh, so we got to know each other. And I got this email from him this last week. Hi, Jeff, this is, and he says his name. I live behind you in Fort Collins and you had my family and I over for dinner one night. You've been on my mind lately and I wanted to reach out. I just wanted to share with you that I was recently baptized and am living my best life following Jesus and his teaching. I had an aha moment and it all suddenly made sense to me. You had an impact on me and I just wanted to say thank you for your kindness to my family and me. I'm so happy that I had the opportunity to spend a small amount of time with you and just wanted to share my happiness and finally finding faith. I hope all is well. Please give Julie our best regards. Sincerely, and then he wrote his name. I'm, I was just such a little part of, of my brief friend coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, just a small part. But it was a part. I, I got a call from another man one time he sold us that house he was the guy that that um I went into his office and and I actually told him I said um well I'd like to make an offer on that house and he worked for a company that that had built several homes in the neighborhood and he said well you know we don't really do that he said it's kind of the price and I said well you know what I'm a Christian and I believe in, in God and that he answers prayer. And I said, so, and I'm sitting in his office. I said, so let's pray about it. And so I started to pray and, and I said, Lord, if you want us to have the house, then I pray that the offer would be accepted. And, and I prayed and in Jesus' name, amen. When I finished my prayer, he got up from his desk and he walked around and he came up to me and I stood up and he gave me this big hug. And he said, that was the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. And he went back around and, and sat down and, and I invited him to church and he came to church. He lived in Denver, but he drove up and, and, and managed that little that office and sold homes. And so I invited him to church and he'd come up early to go to church. And he came several times. I shared the gospel directly with him. I bought him a Bible and I marked verses in the Bible and I'm showing him and sharing the gospel. And I, and I gave it to him and, and he never trusted Christ. And um, some years later, I actually got a, I was coming out of a funeral and I heard, he'd left a message. I was in the funeral and he called and, and I was coming out of the funeral and, and I got in my car and I listened to the message and he said his name. He said, hey, Jeff, this is, and then he said this. He said, this is brother, and he said his name. And he said, yes, I used that title on purpose, brother. He said, give me a call. So I called him up and he said, you're never gonna guess what happened. Well, I did guess, all right, what happened? You're never going to guess what happened. He said, um, my dad was in the hospital and, um, and he was sharing a room with a guy and the guy in the other bed was an old retired Baptist pastor. And he began telling me verses and he said, they're the same ones you had marked in that Bible. And he said, you know, it, it all came together and, and I trusted Christ. And he said, I wanted you to know. I honestly... I just got to be a little part of that. I see Alan Oaks sitting over here. Just yesterday, he told me, you know, I was in the store, Walmart or somewhere, and he, and he said, I, I was talking to a lady who helped me. 
She just, I asked if she knew where something was and, and uh, she helped me and he says, hey, can I give you something? And she said, sure. And he said, let me give you one of these. It's these little good question cards. And he said, all you do is you just scan that with your phone. And he said, she took her phone out, scanned it right while we're standing there. And the video came up and it's about a seven minute video. He said, she stood there and watched the whole video while we're standing there in the store. I, I don't know what her spiritual situation is, but I do know that, that if the Lord uses something like that, then, then a guy named Alan Oaks gets a part of what it is that the Lord's doing. What kind of a guy was Zacchaeus? He was a sinner. And Jesus said, I'm gonna spend time. We're gonna, we're gonna abide together. It might be healthy for campus church to be a little messy and maybe even use your home or the home of someone else to do some abiding and see if salvation doesn't come to their house just as it did the house of a guy named Zacchaeus.